Hello, mama. I just have to always start in the same way. There's no other way to start now. <laughs> I hope your day is so good. Uh, I wish I was sitting across the table from you with a cup of coffee. It would be so cool to have the time to just sit down with each and every one of you and hear your stories. That would make my heart so happy. I love that. But I also love sitting behind my microphone. That is almost as good, kind of. <laughs> I guess in the in the academy, when you join the academy, I get to do that a little bit more. I have my coffee and I got my computer and you are sitting there with your face on the screen. So if you want that experience, which I know I do, come join the academy. <laughs> a little side note there. You can find the link in the show notes, the Healed Mama Academy. It's the place to be. But anyways... I am excited to continue our uh, episodes on the power of words. And in the first one, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. I unpack just uh, the power our words have and trying to help you recognize where maybe you're speaking death, maybe where you're speaking life, what this can look like. And in this episode, I'm going to continue unpacking some of the phrases that we use around our house, things that I've learned from other moms, from mentors, from books, whatever it is. Never think that I've just come up with all of this on my own. Uh, It's either from God, if it is something new, but if not, it's from a book. It's from um, another mom. It's from a pastor, a mentor. Like That's why we constantly need to be, obviously, in God's word, but also hearing what other moms do, getting mentors in our life, having people speak into. To our lives because ultimately that's how we grow. That's how we learn. If we just try and do it from scratch, you might be the most amazing, creative, skilled person, and you're going to make the best mom. But if you try and do it on your own, there's only so like high on the scale. If you were to make a scale, so high you can get on your own. You could probably be a pretty good mom even a great one, but you're never going to be truly great until you let other voices into your life and you have some people that have walked before you give you some wisdom because we're not to, we're not made to do this all from scratch and to figure it out on your own. That's really part of why I can sit here and talk to you is because my entire life I have done two things. One is, and this is just the God has kind of gifted me in these areas where it comes naturally, but just because it comes naturally to me doesn't mean that you can't take it on as skill sets. The first one is being curious. I've been reading more and more about the power of curiosity, and this is uh, yeah inherently true to me, but we can all learn to be this, is asking questions, listening, leaning in, trying to get underneath things and find out why, and just dig in in a deeper level. And that curiosity, those questions are going to fuel you and help you know what to do, help you grow as a parent, as a human, as a wife, all of the things. And so that's why I can sit here is because I've asked a lot of people a lot of questions and I've listened really well so that I can take on a lot of what they have said. And then also another thing is, um, this is, I'm using this word because it comes from my strength finder. Did you guys take the strength finder? It's the Gallup, um, strength finder 2.0. It's, it's it's really fun. It's a really cool test to take if you want to get to know yourself a little bit better, but input was one of my top five strengths. And essentially input is that I'm like hungry to learn. I'm hungry to have information input into me. And so I'm constantly reading, constantly listening to audiobooks. I'm constantly on podcasts and 
and all of the things. I just want all the information. And so those two things allow me to sit here with you along with God's gift on teaching on my life. But like, it's not because I just know it all and have come up with this all by myself. And I hope that I never come across as seeming that way because it's not true. This is gleaned from God's word and all of those other resources I talked about. And God then helps me communicate it in a way that supports you. But all that to say, if you want to up your mom game, first of all, you're here, which is a great start. And I love that you're here and I'm encouraged that you're here and I love getting to be there for you. But also there's a lot of other great resources out there. So make sure you're digging into books, people in your life, all the things I keep mentioning, but it's because we need them all. Anyways, I majorly digress. However, we are going to talk today about the power of our words, and I'm going to give you some more phrases that you can use in your home to help guide and lead your kids towards God, towards life, and it's going to be good. So make sure you go back and listen to the first episode, but we are going to dive into the second one. Let's go. Welcome to the Morning Mama podcast, where it is time to wake up to the life you were created for. Come join me on a journey to heal from your past, craft a healthy, joy-filled life, and discover the gifts and passions inside of you that the world needs. Hi, I'm Brittany, a former marriage and family therapist who is ready to help you grab hold of your courage, step out in faith, and discover that your life can become more than you ever dreamed possible. This is Morning Mama, a place for you to throw off all that has been holding you back and run into true freedom. All right, Mama, so excited to dive in today. And speaking of just sharing wisdom with each other, if you haven't taken a moment to share this podcast recently with a friend on your social social media, wherever, could you please just pause this episode, take a screenshot, send the whole, you know, podcast. You can click the little dots, send it in text, (laughs) send it over to a friend that you think needs it. A mom that needs a little encouragement, a mom that, um, needs to go on a healing journey or you're with her on a healing journey, uh, bring her into this community. I would love that so much. It would mean the world to me. Um, you can also post it on your social media and tag me. I will eventually see it. I don't get on Instagram too much, but I will eventually see it. Um, invite people into our Facebook community as well. That's a really great way to share about this as well. Um, if you're not in our Facebook community, what are you doing? Come join us. We're over a thousand strong. I would love to see you over there. Lauren, who just was on our podcast, you can get to know her, the amazing uh, Kiwi. She (laughs) leads our Facebook group, but I get to see all of your responses to our questions when you come into the group and you tell me what you're struggling with. And it really helps inform what I do here and knowing how to focus um, what we're talking about and how to really like stay relevant to where you're at and what questions you have. So come join us. You can go into Facebook and search for Morning Mama Collective, or you can use the link in the show notes. And I would just love to see you over there. But anyways, let's dive into our content today. So the last episode, we talked all about using the language of being a team. And the next one I have for you is the phrase, this isn't who you are. Now, This is something that I use with my kids, especially my four-year-old son, he's my oldest, um, when we are in moments of discipline, or even if it's not like as severe as like a whole moment of discipline where we're having, having the whole process happen, it might just be a moment where he's just kind of being a little, um, unkind or 
just not living up to who God made him to be. And so this is something I speak to him to help him see the difference between who he was made to be and the sin or yeah, sin, even if it's like, like sin is sin, right? It's, it's even when we're just being selfish and it's just a little bit of selfishness, that's still sin. So sing, helping him see the difference between who he was created to be and when he's in a moment of sin. And this really just, I think, helps speak the identity into him. It also helps kind of guard him from shame. I think I have a whole set of episodes on this where we're just going to help shame-proof our kids by help, helping them see the distinction between their sin and who they are. And so when we're talking about this bad thing he did, I'm not saying that he is bad because he is good because he's made by God. Now, he has a fallen nature, right? So it's a little complicated, but he was made good by God. All the things that God makes are good, including our children. And so we need to help them see themselves that way only through the lens of God's strengths, God's goodness, not on their own, right? But Instead of saying you are a bad kid, it's you're choosing something bad right now, but you are not bad. And the part of what this does too, and I'm learning more and more about this. I'm actually about to start a book. I've been really excited to start by Craig Rochelle called The Power of Change. And I know he talks a lot about this in his book, so I'm sure I'll be talking with you more about it. But there's actually been some other books I've been reading as well that have touched on this. And it's this idea that truly... We act out of our identity. We choose our behaviors, our actions out of how we see ourselves and where our identity lies. And so the more that we can help our kids form this healthy identity as a child of God, as a important part of our family, that is how they're going to then live out these lives they were made to live because that identity is going to inform form what they do. I'm probably going to have a whole episode on this later. So I hesitate to give you this example because this thing happened the other day that was just so like it smacked me in the face of like, oh, wow, this is it. I'll share it with you. Uh, Maybe I'll share it again when I do this whole other episode on it. But uh, so the place that I live, it has, it's like a gated, uh, more than a gated community. It's like almost like a gated city. And so when you pull up there's three different lanes you can go into. Two of the lanes are for if you're a resident in that in this gated city. And then one of those lanes is for if you are not a resident, you don't have the little fob thing on your car that opens the gate. And so normally when I'm just driving home in my van, my, by the way, if you don't have a van, what are you doing with your life? Like vans are the best thing in the whole world. I know a lot of people are very embarrassed by them, but oh my goodness, does it not make life so much easier? Just the fact that your kids are not going to hit the car next to them when they open the door. Like my kids can get in and out on their own. And it is amazing. Okay. (laughs) I majorly digress, although I could go down that bunny trail for another five minutes because it's pretty great. Anyways, I I pull up in my van and I go into one of the two lanes that's for residents because that's, I have the fob on my car. It opens it. That's what I normally do. Now on days when my parents take my kids, I switch cars with them because they don't have uh, enough car seats for all of my kids. And so we switch cars. And so I'm driving back to my house in their car. Almost every time I pull up and I go to one of the two lanes where residents go into because I know who I am. I am a resident. So why 
If I'm a resident, would I go to the lane where guests go? I'm not a guest. I see myself as a resident. I, I know the, the route to go as a resident. And so as my identity as a resident, I know instinctually to go in the lane where the residents go. However, I may be a resident, but right now I'm not in a resident's car. I'm in a guest car. And so I always, it's really embarrassing. I have to like back up and there's like tons of cars coming and I have to get out of that lane and get over two lanes to get over to the guest lane. And it's really just a big mess. Really embarrassing. It happens almost every time. But that's because I know my identity as a resident and it's hard to act out of a different identity. I know I'm in a different car, but I don't register it because my core identity is of a resident. So I hope you'll see that picture. And that's how we go about life. We see ourselves, we act out of this place of how we see ourselves. And so if your kids begin to see themselves as bad, like if they just believe that they are bad because they are doing bad things and they're taking on that as their identity, then that's actually going to propel more bad behavior. It's going to lead them down that road again. However, if you can help them see the distinction between a bad choice and who they are, meaning who God made them to be, then you're going to help them begin to walk more and more in that identity. You know, just even in in following Christ, like as I've grown into my faith more and more, I, I now walk very confidently in this identity as a child of God. And there's a lot of behaviors I don't even think twice about because part of my identity is being a child of God. And I know what it looks like to walk as a child of God. I know what the laws are. I know what, um, God calls me to. I know what, how to keep my heart in check. I, I walk as a child of God. And so we want to help our kids to see this and be able to walk this out. And that also goes back to what we talked about in the last episode about speaking life into them and speaking this truth into them. And that also fuels that identity. But another phrase that we can use is this isn't who you are. So I'll say like, Hey bud, this isn't who you are. Like, What's going on? You know, maybe he's hitting his sister. I don't know. Just an example. Yes, that does happen sometimes in our home. Maybe he's doing that. And I'm like, Hey, I pull him aside and I'm like, bud, Hey, what's, what's going on? This, this isn't who you are. You are a good big brother and a big brother protects their, their siblings. What's, what's happening. And usually most of the time that will help him just kind of pause and be like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And we can talk through it. And so trying to, re- to remove that sin from who they are is going to help them walk in that identity. Okay. Next one. I'm going to spend way too much time on each of these. I probably have way too many to get through. All right. The next one is you have a choice. I can't make you do the right thing, but there will be a consequence if you choose the wrong thing. Okay. So another thing that I really like to instill in my kids is this idea that they have a choice. So, so often as parents, it can be very tempting to want to control our kids, especially when we're trying to be strict and trying to, uh, kind of discipline. Well, I have fallen into this many times even in many seasons as a parent where I just want to control my kids. I want them to act the right way, right? (laughs) I hope you can hear me gritting my teeth over here. And so it can be really easy to say, no, this is not okay to act this way, which I do say that. However, 
when they say, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to act this way. I don't want to, I don't want to listen to what you're saying. Then oftentimes, you know, I try and dig into what's going on in their heart because that, that moment of rebellion is starting in their heart. And so I want to understand what's going on. And ultimately it's going to tie back to pain. Um, they're in some kind of pain. Now it doesn't excuse the way they're acting, but if you dig deep enough, you're going to find some trigger that happened with them and they're in their destructive coping. But when I'm in this, sometimes what helps us talk through this is, you know, my son's saying like, well, I don't, I don't want to do that. And I say, okay, bud, well, you have a choice. I can't make you do anything. I can give you a consequence if you choose that again, but it is your choice. And I even often say like, yeah, God gives us all choices. Like he does not make us do anything, but there's consequences when we don't follow him and when we choose a different path. And what I love about phrasing things this way and really kind of reiterating the choices that they have is because just like I already said it, that's, that's how God treats us. That's what he has done for us is he has given us a choice. And really the ultimate choice to follow him or not to follow him. And it all comes down to that. But that free will that we have actually gives us the freedom to truly love. Because when we have that freedom to choose, we can ultimately actually choose God instead of being robotic. And so that's actually where real love comes from is that freedom, that free choice. And we want to help our kids know this because ultimately if you try and control them when they're at home, first of all, I've been learning, um, through the crazy cool family that I told you guys about the amazing free resource that you can go dive into so much amazing content. They're going to be on the podcast very soon, but you, you gotta go, you gotta go check it out. Uh, I think it's just crazycoolfamily.com, something like that. Just go Google it. But anyways, they were talking about how, when we control our kids too much, it actually can create rebellion in them because they're trying to press away. And so we need to make sure we're giving them enough freedom. And that's actually some of the questions I'm going to be talking with them about, because I want to know more about how to do that. Um, and, but anyways, when we try and control our kids, you know, say, say we do that a lot when they're growing up and yes, it can create the rebellion, but also at some point they will become adults and they will go into the real world all on their own. I mean, this even happens as teenagers. There's a lot more freedom and, and, and you can't control every little thing that they're doing. And so ultimately they're going to come face to face with the fact that they have a choice. And so if we can now help them understand the freedom that they have, to make those choices while they're in our homes, while we're able to mold and shape and speak into them and give them those consequences, then that's going to set them up for when they have those choices later on. They're not going to be shocked by the choices. They've always known they had choices. They've learned how to choose the right thing. And so, and, and even sometimes what helps, how this helps in our conversation too, is that my, my son kind of realizes that I'm not controlling him. This is something that he is choosing and he knows if he continues to choose it, there will be consequences that are happening and it's up to him. And if he wants to do it, then he knows the route he's taking, right? He can't even be mad at me for it. He can't blame me for it because he sees he is choosing the route that he is taking. And so helping emphasize the fact that our kids have these choices. Now that's not saying that we don't again say that behavior is acceptable. Like we can still say that is unacceptable, but they ultimately have that choice, whether they choose that unacceptable behavior or not. And yes, make sure there's consequences that come with the unacceptable, unacceptable behavior. All right. So there's another one for you. 
The next thing I want to share with you is, is this. Okay. So it's something like, I love you. I don't like giving you consequences, but it's because I love you. Now, this is kind of an idea I got from the book, Shepherding a Child's Heart. But ultimately, it's, first of all, just re-emphasizing my love for my my son, my kids. <laughs> it happens a lot with my son. He's the oldest. He's a boy. It's, yeah, you know. Um, but I do this with both my kids. And my other one's a baby, so he doesn't quite get this yet. But I emphasize my love for him. Because in a moment of discipline, it doesn't mean my love ever stops. And I often say that, like, I never stop loving you. Even when you act this way, even if you did the worst possible thing, I would never stop loving you and God wouldn't either. And so I emphasize that my love for him is never ending. It is unconditional, right? It it never stops. However, because it is because I love him, that is why there is consequences. Because ultimately, if I didn't love him, it is way easier in a lot of ways some and not, but in a lot of ways, it's way easier just to overlook a behavior. In fact, often I'm tempted to, I see something happen where there was rebellion. I told my son to do one thing. Another thing happened. I told my daughter to do one thing. Another thing happened. And I just want to pretend like I didn't see it. Do you ever have those moments? You're like, uh, do I really have to address this? (sighs) Okay. Yep. There we go. Let's do this because it takes a minute. Like if you follow uh, the the protocol for discipline in the book, Shepherding a Child's Heart, I've unpacked it um, somewhere in the hundreds, early hundreds. I started my series on discipline in uh, episode 85 and it goes um, into the early hundreds. And one of those in there unpacks what this is like. But you can also go and read the book, Shepherding a Child's Heart, or hey, just go listen to the audiobook. I mean, uh, reading, obviously you're going to comprehend probably a little bit more, but if you don't have time for that, like you need to, you need to read this book some way, get it inside of you some way. So go listen to the audiobook. I've recently gotten back into audiobooks, and yes, I do think it is harder to like hold on to the information. However, it is an amazing way to kind of speed read because now I'm reading multiple books at once and it's just great. Okay. Anyways, go read that. But sometimes I am tempted to overlook things and I don't want to, but it's because I love my children that I try my hardest not to do that and to be disciplined myself in terms of addressing things. Because ultimately I want my kids to live a life following God and not turning to the right or to the left and not getting distracted by things that are going to cause them harm. And if I have the opportunity now to help them understand what it looks like to live right and to, um, to have hearts aligned with God. And I help them understand what rebellion looks like and what it causes the pain that it causes then I'm going to take every opportunity that I can to do this because we all know the brokenness and the heaviness that exists in our world, especially today, but it's always been there. And like, it's either now or then, like, when are they going to learn these lessons? And I pray and hope that my kids are going to learn these lessons now and stay away from that stuff because I'm, I'm every time addressing it and not ignoring it. And, and so I try and help my kids see this. The reason that we're going through this whole thing and 
you're having discipline is because I love you, because I want the best for you. And if I can teach you this now, it's going to save you a lot, a lot of pain and destruction in your life later. And so I talk about that with my kids and I say, it's because I love you. I really don't like giving you consequences. It's not fun for me at all, but I love you. And so I'm willing to do that. So I think that we, we just can't emphasize enough that we love our kids. I think it's so easy for our kids to kind of fill in the gap of just assuming that they're alone, that they're unloved, you know, and we, we know this because we do that. Like, think about your pain, think about the pain that you've been carrying and, and, you know, everyone has their own pain points and, and the ways they would describe that. But I know a lot of us feel alone, like our parents weren't really there with us maybe feel unloved. Like maybe did our parents really love us? And for, for some of us, it's because they were, there was lots of trauma and pain and betrayal and, you know, things were not how they were meant to be. But also for a lot of us, our parents like really tried their very hardest and did their very best. And yet we filled in the gaps and we assumed we were alone. We assumed we weren't loved. Now our parents might've even told us that. And ultimately here's the thing. You can't prevent the pain points from happening in your kids. Your kids are going to have those. However, I'm going to work my hardest <laughs> to fill in that gap, to help them not have any room to assume, or to just keep reminding them, which ultimately rewires their brain. If I keep reminding them of the truth that they are loved, that even in these hard moments, they are loved. That is going to help them be able to swallow that truth, hold on to that truth and not just live in a place where they're constantly questioning that. So as much as I can, I remind my kids of that and I explain what's happening in a moment of discipline. All right, here's another one. We're probably gonna have to do a third episode on this, which I hope you're loving it. I'm loving it. It's been fun. Um, Okay, another one, another little phrase to hang on to was, oh, that was an accident. Accidents happen. Now, this is probably one you've heard. I hope it's one that you have heard. And it's probably one that many of you already have in your parenting. And that's great. I'm just speaking for a minute to those of you that might not have this language in your parenting so far. Because what happens is being a mother, often we are with our children a lot. And there are a lot of things we're carrying and a lot of tension that we can carry very easily if we're not careful to, uh, to get out of that. And when we're carrying that kind of tension, every little thing can set us up, set us off. And so our kid is at the table, they spill their milk, right? It's a classic, classic scenario. I've even talked about it before. What do we do next? This is something I learned about at some point. I can't remember exactly what class I was in, but, um, kind of it, it, when I was learning to become a therapist, they talked about this, like this kind of gives a picture for what a family was like after the milk is spilled. What happens next? You know, there's a lot of different routes. There can be yelling, like, why did you spill the milk? There can be anger. There can be discipline. There can be, um, Oh my gosh, poor baby. You spilled your milk. Oh, let me help you. Right. There can be, Hey, go get paper towel, bud. It was an accident. It's okay. Right. There's so many variations it could be, and you can fall on any part of that spectrum. I'm sure there's more options out there. So what happens next? So think about it in your home. What happens after that, after the milk is spilled or like this morning, 
oh, I've been making these, um, we call them oatmeal donuts. It's like, you know, one of those like, I don't know, breakfast bar kind of situations where it's like oats and peanut butter and I don't even know what else, flaxseed and honey, you know, that kind of stuff. Anyways, I, we had these forms, these donut forms. And so I ended up baking in it, baking them in it. And so now it looks like a donut. And so we call them oatmeal donuts. Anyways, on top of our oatmeal donuts, because the kids kind of got sick of them, I decided to put peanut butter and jelly to entice them a little bit more. And so I, he had his heated up oatmeal donut, which is already kind of sticky. And then there was peanut butter jelly on top of it. And I had cut it up for him. So it would cool down. (laughs) Because he said his sister's yogurt smelled bad, he decided he wanted to sit somewhere else. And so he took his plate with his oatmeal donut covered in peanut butter and jelly over into the kitchen. And as he was trying to sit somewhere else and I was telling him, you're going to be okay, go sit at the table. He dropped all of it on the floor, peanut butter and jelly face down. And yeah, it was a moment. Now I didn't yell. I wasn't as patient as I would have liked to have been. I had a moment of frustration where I was just like, bud, you know, kind of let one of those out. And then I reeled it back. I was kind of silent for a minute while I kind of got composure because I was already kind of in a rush trying to gather all of the things to get the kids to leave on time. We were a little behind, which is my fault, but we were. And so I was already in a moment of tension. And so I let that, bud, what are you doing? Out kind of easily. And then I retracted and I said, I'm sorry for being irritated. It was an accident. Let's clean it up. We talked through it. So I get it. I get that it's not always easy. Now, if I wouldn't have been tense, I think I would have, because most of the time I can handle those moments and I'm like, okay, it was, it was an accident. Now this one too, it was like, well, you did get up from the table. Did you really need to do that? Right. I didn't say all of that, but that was what I was thinking. But ultimately it was an accident. He didn't mean to drop it on the floor. I thought for a second, maybe he did out of frustration, but he told me he didn't. He said he accidentally dropped it. And so we had that moment. Now, we all need to make sure that these moments that truly are accidents, whatever that accident is, like even if it's broken glass. <laughs> I left for a women's conference last weekend. This is like the first time I've really like left since the baby has been born. And literally within like 30 minutes, my husband sends me a picture of one of our, our mirrors <laughs> Um, that was over the fireplace. It wasn't secured, which is really probably my fault, but it fell. It was broken. And that's what happened. It had been up there for months and been fine. But as soon as mom leaves now, I don't know. I never actually got the, the circumstances, but ultimately like, was that an accident? I don't know the circumstances, but accidents are going to happen and big or small. We need to be prepared for these because these are not, if it's truly an accident, These are not a moment for discipline. This is not a moment for anger. And like, think about what that feels like when you're going through life. And and maybe some of your husbands are this way, or maybe some of your parents were this way, or maybe you have friends or I don't know, brothers and sisters that are kind of like this. And you make an accident. You do something unintentionally and it makes a mess. It breaks something, whatever it is. Like, how do you feel in that moment? You usually feel pretty crummy. And if you are around someone that's reactive, it's going to make you feel scared. You're going to be so scared because not only do you feel bad for what happened, but now you're so scared of their reaction and what, how they're going to respond to you. And you're going to feel like you have to walk on eggshells and you're going to feel like you're not safe to be around them. And you're going to feel like you can't just live and 
not be overly cautious all the time. And so we don't want our kids to feel that way. And I get that it's frustrating. Believe me, I did not want to clean up that peanut butter from the floor this morning. Like I had a million other things I needed to do. It's already behind. But one of the best things that we can do for our kids is to make them feel safe. That is going to set them up for so much in life if we can make them feel safe. And safety isn't just like physical safety of like, do I have food and a house and no one's going to hurt me? Like it is those things, but it's also that that relationship safety, that, that safety of no one's going to yell at me when I make a mistake. And really they're going to be more scared to try things if they're constantly, when they mess up, they're getting reprimanded for that. Now it's okay if you've struggled with this in the past, none of us are perfect. And I know a lot of us had parents like this and we're all fine. Like we got through, ultimately our kids are going to have to work through some stuff. None of us can be perfect. So this is just maybe one of the things they're going to have to work through. That's okay. It's not too late to start though. So something just to keep in mind, accidents happen. It's okay. All right, we're going to do another episode of this. I hope you have been encouraged by all of this. I am grateful to be here. Let me pray for you. God, I just thank you for the privilege of being a mom. God, I thank you that we have such power with our words and what we get to do and say and just what an honor, God. God, I just pray over every moment that's listening. God, you would help us me included for sure, have more power over our tongues. God, you would help us to bite them when it's time not to say something and uh, calm down before we say anything, God. And you would give us the words to speak life and to to help our kids grow and learn and thrive, God. And we just um, thank you for the work that you're doing through us. God, we thank you that we don't need to be perfect. God, we thank you for your grace for us and grace for our kids, God. And that as long as we just seek you, that is more than enough, God. So we just praise you for that. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you, Mama. If you found hope and inspiration in today's episode, then hit subscribe. Make sure you don't miss a moment on this journey of healing. Want to help more mamas enter into the hope and freedom you have found? Please take a moment to leave a review. This helps so much to get Morning Mama seen so that more mamas can find this space. Lastly, please come say hi in our Facebook group, Morning Mama Collective. I would love to meet you and learn your story. Let me know where you're getting stuck in your healing journey so that you can help inspire more episodes. I am so grateful for you, Mama, and I cannot wait to see all that God has in store for you. Thank you.